0: Hello, and welcome back to the Discovering Humidity and Health podcast. I'm your host, Sri, and today we have special guest, Dr. Gelman Nisanov. So could you introduce yourself, please?
1: Sure. My name is Faïna Gelman Nisanov, and I'm a gynecologist. I'm currently practicing in my office in New Jersey, but I'm licensed to practice in both New York and New Jersey, and I do spend some time in New York as well. Um, I am a OBGYN, so that means I'm an obstetrician and a gynecologist but I currently only practice gynecology. I haven't delivered a baby in three and a half years. Uh, and this is something that happens a lot to people in my field uh, for various reasons. So I am from uh, the USSR and we came to the States when I was two, when I grew up in Brooklyn. I went to school out in Long Island and Stony Brook University. I did my undergraduate degree there. I studied comparative literature, and then I did uh, my medical schooling there as well. After Stony Brook, I went to uh, the Bronx where I did my residency at Einstein, my Montefiore Medical Center. It was a really excellent experience. And after that, I went into private practice. I worked in Brooklyn and the city, and I recently opened up my own office in New Jersey where I currently live.
0: Sounds great. Um, I just wanted to ask you now, what made you interested in becoming an obstetrician gynecologist? And what were some of the steps that you took to practice in that specialty? So I specifically did not want to be an OBGYN when I interviewed
1: for medical school and I would make jokes about it. And I was like, I definitely wanted to be a cardiologist. And when I got to medical school, I definitely wanted to be a neurologist. But um, when I did my OBGYN rotations, um, it was just eye-opening to me. There's so much more to OBGYN than an annual exam and a pap smear. And you just don't know that as, as a woman getting care. You just think it's STD checks and annual exams. It was actually a lot of surgery Um, a lot of counseling a lot of care a lot of complex matters and I really enjoyed providing care for young women or women in general who didn't know about their bodies and didn't know what was normal and what was not normal there's just to this day I meet patients every single day and I'm like well that's perfectly normal they had no idea and they're surprised pleasantly to find out that everything is okay so it was really a a combination of all those things
0: Hmm. That sounds great and very inspiring. Um, So I invited you here because Humanity and Health is an organization that aims to shed light on various disparities across the medical field. So I wanted to ask, what disparities have you noticed as an OB-GYN and have there been any initiatives that you've taken or have you noticed any organizations take initiatives to combat such disparities? So.
1: I see a lot of disparity in medicine and baseline, especially because I practiced in the Bronx, um, which is one of the highest places of like morbidity and mortality for, for pregnant women. And I've definitely partaken in care of patients like that. It really teaches you and humbles you down that every person needs to be treated with the same level of respect. And I think that's what makes me successful in my practice is that no matter who you are, where you come from, what language you speak other than English, I treat you as you should be treated as a human being. And we need to teach other doctors to do that, not just doctors, other people, medical professionals, everyone that you don't know where this person is from and what they know. And just because they don't look like you or don't talk like you, it doesn't mean that they're not even smarter than you. Right? these people all deserve the same level of care. So that was very important. So I practice that in my daily life. Um, another big disparity that I see, not necessarily on behalf of patients, is I see disparities in how women are treated in medicine, uh, which is very difficult, and also kind of why I became an OBGYN. I, um, I had a lot of negative feedback as a medical student. Everyone thought I was a nurse walking around in my scrubs, and everyone was always surprised that I was a doctor, that I'm a doctor in the room, or I'm the main healthcare provider. And I felt um, as a young woman, as a young, I was in my 20s when I was in medical school, that women were just more perceptive to me being their doctor. And that's another big push that I had into OBGYN.
0: That sounds great. Um, I also noticed that you said that you provide holistic and comprehensive care for your patients. So I was just curious, like, what does that mean and what exactly does that entail?
1: Sure, so um, many patients go to the gynecologist thinking that I'm just gonna talk about my vagina. Mm-hmm. We don't just talk about your vagina, we talk about everything. <laughs> How are you feeling? Um, do you have cardiovascular problems? Are you seeing your cardiologist? If you're not, we talk about the things that you should be taking care of. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise for lung disease or gi disease or cancer screenings we kind of cover everything and my patients are always surprised that i really want to know all their medications and how everything is doing because it's my job that all of you is okay because if some of you is not okay it's going to affect your fertility or it's going to affect your periods or it's going to affect your cramps or it's going to affect your pms so i make sure to cover all of those topics during my visits with my patients um holistic care there's a lot in a Western medicine that we don't know. And sometimes we have to refer to Eastern medicine or non-traditional methods. And I'm very open and available to those conversations with my patients. And of course I always say, there's no data, there are no statistics behind this, but these are things that we think may work. So that's part of my holistic and comprehensive care.
0: That's so cool. I've actually never heard um, an MD like talk so openly about being accepting to other approaches. And I know there's so many that exist and especially when talking to people who might not have grown up in the united states like my family we my parents are from india and there's a lot of holistic and traditional methods that they use over there that aren't as like positively recepted here so it's very very cool to hear someone integrate that into their practice thank you um, I also wanted to ask as a premed myself, and I'm sure a lot of my audience is very curious to hear this as well. Do you have any advice for premeds who may be going through the process of trying to apply to medical school or figuring out what their passions are?
1: I'd like to preface this um, by saying that I did this over ten years ago. To <laughs> it in a Very, very different field. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm an October baby. I was very young. I went mm-hmm. straight through, through all my education. I was 21 when I entered med school. Wow. Um, I don't remember a lot of the application process, mm-hmm. but what I want to um, tell people is one, take biochemistry in undergrad, because it's really <laughs> hard in med school. I didn't <laughs> that advice. And, uh, I, I pass it on to everyone. I was like, just take some biochemistry in undergrad, because med biochem is really hard. Um, other than that, really be open. Mm-hmm. Be open to new experiences. You have no idea what you're going to know or like. And when you go to medical school, you meet all of these really interesting people, and it feels like everyone in the room is always smarter and more interested in things than you are. And uh, it's wonderful to be in that kind of environment because you always grow and, and uh, learn something new. Um, while you are applying, um, I hope that you and all of your friends and peers and listeners get into a medical school that allows you to get an education for free. I really support that and I love that. And I hope that all medical schools start allowing their doctors to get an education for free. I think the loans are an extreme burden. So I wish the best of luck to everyone. Uh, But medical schools tend to all kind of be the same. They teach you the same stuff. I know a lot of it is now pass fail, so it's not as competitive. So your step scores are are a little bit more competitive. but a lot of it is 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 really the same. They're gonna teach you all the same stuff. You wanna be somewhere where you have a support system because med school is hard. And then for residency, everything is always getting more competitive. That's also tricky. So you wanna put your best foot forward, be the kindest, best person that you can be, make sure that you're making friends with people and not making enemies. That way they'll support you through through your journey. And residency, I know that's a little bit uh, far away, but that is one heck of a ride. it's definitely going to be rough and just want to um say that the o- older i am the more humbled i am by everything that i see and i do and uh, it's really just like everyone on the street like greatest respect you don't know what anyone's problems are or where they're coming from and just remember that and be kind to people and do your best put your best foot forward i think that's the best way to approach anything as difficult as medicine
0: that sounds amazing thank you for the advice and i actually have one last question for you um like what made you interested in medicine in the first place? And how did you know that despite this path being so long and arduous that this is what you wanted to do?
1: It's a really good question um, because uh, my parents <laughs> from the U.S. A star. They told me that I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have any better ideas. I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. That just sounds great. And uh, when you're very young, In your teens and you in your early 20s you think oh wow this journey is so long but i'm in my mid-30s now and i still want to live my life right i still want to go out and have a good time so it's okay that i spent that time dedicating to that you have to come to terms with it. It's Mm -hmm. a major sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice at least eight years of your life. Um, And I was okay with that in my early 20s. I made that decision. Not everyone needs to make that decision. It's not the right decision for people. I do know people who went to medical school and residency and then are no longer practicing physicians. I know many people who do that. Um, You have to make an educated decision. And you have to understand that medicine now is even harder than it was when I applied to medical school. It's even harder than before. There's a lot of red tape a lot of paperwork. You really have to find the right, the right mix of, I can do this and help my patients at the same time. Um, but I, uh, I made that decision and I stuck to it. I don't know what I would do if we were to go in the past. You know, I'm, I'm established now. It's a very different, like I'm, I'm very happy where I am. So you have to understand the sacrifice that you're going to make because it is, it is a sacrifice.
0: Great, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your advice and your insight into this field. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me, (laughs) I really appreciate it. Awesome.